This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical, a show exploring the world inside and outside the evangelical subculture. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. Apologies for the gap between shows. Last week I came down with my third bout of strep throat this summer and it totally laid me out. In fact, my first bout of strep was immediately prior to recording this episode with Seth and Steve, so it somehow like bookended this conversation. In the last episode, Steve and Seth talked to me about the different personality types found in the Enneagram. And in this episode, they get to work helping me determine my own type. It's a bit more self-indulgent and self-revelatory than I tend to be on the show generally, which I prefer to keep about my guests instead of myself. But I hope that this inter- excuse me, but I hope that this exercise is as fruitful for you as it was for me. If you were like me and were a bit uncertain about the Enneagram or were at least a bit uncertain about what personality type you might be, this may help you understand a bit more about how it all works. I'm thankful that they decided to take the time to walk me through this process. One note, uh, because I was recovering from strep, uh, my throat was still recovering and a little raspy. And we'd already been talking for a couple of hours by the time we get to this point, so sorry about that. You can catch Steve and Seth on their own podcast, The E9 Podcast, wherever you find those sorts of things. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Castro, all of the podcast apps you can imagine. You can find their podcast wherever you listen. As always, if you enjoy this show, please rate and review it on iTunes. Support it via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod. You can also follow me on Twitter at brchastain. You can follow the show at exvangelicalpod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also um, like the show on Facebook and join the Facebook group by searching for exvangelical on Facebook. Um, we've got over 3,000 members, and it is a very lively place to have all sorts of discussions. So please check that out if you're looking to talk to more people about what is happening in evangelical land. All right, let's get into it. Awesome. Well, that is the Enneagram. We're done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now everyone knows everything they need to know about the Enneagram. Yeah, that's we've, right. We've now addressed the most superficial level of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, one of our episodes that we've recorded for our own podcast, um, we do the same thing. We do it a little bit more in depth, but even still, it's it's a little superficial. Um, so, uh, but, are... but I, I'm hoping that this introduction is enough to get people interested and and to explore. Right. No, this and that. Yeah. And and I haven't addressed it directly within within, you know, within the podcast or anything. And it is that's the thing about, you know, coming to this, even as someone that's sort of approached it from different sides over the last year or two, as I've been exposed to it through through Stephen and, and you, Seth, and through other people that I know online, like just trying to even yeah. trying to, like, understand the jargon that you sort of run into. You know, because people throw it around online now, and like honestly, one of my resolutions for 2018 was like, 
<laughs> like understands understand this jargon even at the base level, you know, because yeah, I should we tell your listeners that that's actually how this this came about was one day you you tweeted out, I guess I'm going to have to learn the enneagram just so I can continue to have conversations on this thing. <laughs> and and we said, "Hey man, we'd be happy to help." <laughs> yes. And that was actually before we even had decided to do our own podcast, but um but that's kind of where um, our lives were going anyway. And so it all just kind of came together in this really, again, if I can use the word providential way. Yeah, yeah. This is that we love and we want to share that love with you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. Yeah, and, and I appreciate it. Like, and that's the thing. That's what I I know. Even like again, sort of bringing back how how much I've sort of circled this this topic um, personally is. I know Steve on Facebook somewhere was like, you know, the best way to do this is through conversation. Books are okay. Books are fine. You know, you can learn a lot through books. But one of the key things about this is that it really helps to have conversations with people that have done it before and et cetera. So I'm thankful for, for both of you taking the time to, to dive into it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. But are we ready to, to get into the, the real work of it though with you, Blake? Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess, Oh, well, okay. Go ahead. Steve. I mean, you've talked a little bit about your exposure with it, but even before we get into the stuff we've talked about so far, where are you at with this? How are you feeling about the Enneagram? What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling more like, um, I'm feeling more comfortable with it. And and I mean, like, I know, I just know the way in which I've seen people that I, that I know personally and that I've known and gotten to know through the work of the podcast, like that they benefit from it and that (laughs) they see like a tangible value in understanding and using this as, the sort of lens on themselves and and on others. Um, I definitely don't think that I um, am at any point like confident to say like when I, some people, you know, look around and like they enter a room and they try to type people or like they try to type the people in their lives. And yeah. like, know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not to that point. Um, and I've taken, that. <laughs> what's yeah, that? So we have a friend who's going to a, uh, a school for counseling and it's a uh, it's a pretty progressive school for counseling it is a christian school but it's real progressive and uh, he was telling us just today how so many of the people there they're really interested in the enneagram mm-hmm. but even the students there will like will come up and just be like you know what i bet you're a fill in whatever the number is and it's just like it's it's putting people in a box and it's so it's, it's abusive and the, the Enneagram, it's not meant to be that way. It, it should mm-hmm. be wielded very gently. Mm-hmm. Um, where I've seen the Enneagram really show its power is not when I've been able to tell people, Hey man, you're a three and I know it. I might know that. I mean, or at least have a pretty darn good idea, but mm-hmm. when they realize that they're a three mm-hmm. or whatever, and they feel seen in a way that they haven't feel felt seen in maybe ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm there not judging them for not like it, it, even in the midst of them feeling seen. And there's there's a real power there. 
self-discovery mm. is an integral part of how yeah. it works. Yeah. And you can't right. rob that from somebody. Yes. That's one of the reasons why, even though there are Enneagram podcasts out there, and a lot of other podcasts are still talking about it, we still felt compelled to join in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because we want to bring um, a different angle on it that we feel like is is the more important angle and and is and is being lost as seth says the enneagram the purpose of the enneagram is to allow yourself to be to be more fully loved to receive love and to be able to freely love others right Mm -hmm. and so it functions according to the methodology of love which is i express and you resonate with that or you don't right but I'm discovering myself and working on my own stuff. You're discovering yourself and working on your own self. Yep. And then we're two solitudes that can, you know, protect and kiss, like Rumi said, right? So, <laughs> so <laughs> people talk about the the enneagram as like it's it's this way of getting to know your true self. And I I for the longest time I had a hard time like describing. So what is the true self? And I finally realized, I think what we're talking about there is the true self is the self that is able to freely love and allow itself to be freely loved. And that's what the true self is. And so we're trying to get rid of all of the stuff that's in the way of that. And that's what the Enneagram describes to us, is all the stuff that's in the way mm-hmm. of being loved and loving freely. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. for me... Um, because I, uh, I find my home in the Christian mystical tradition, mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that I have issues with a lot of the rest of the Christian tradition. Um, the, the idea that God is love yep. um, is meaningful to me in this sense, because also um, part of what's revealing about the Enneagram is that as I lose my false self that I've over-identified with, I'm more free to become my true self. And what does it end up being, my true self? My true self is a rootedness in love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The true I'm, self is the self that loves. I am I am a participant in love, and that is the thing that defines me above and beyond anything else. So the idea of having my identity rooted in God, like it's 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 the sort of thing that Paul, I mean I'm quoting the Bible on the Exvangelical podcast, right? <laughs> it's um, okay. <laughs> if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be me, probably. <laughs> Paul says, you have been crucified and you uh, have risen. You're, you have found your new identity, your true self, hid with Christ in God, right? That the true self is not something you possess. I possess my personality. It's a controlling thing. It's a way that I... I uh, defend myself and mm-hmm. filter the my access to the world, but finding my true self means letting go, releasing that, exposing myself to the world. Ultimately, finding myself uh, only in trusting the mystery. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I am only who mm-hmm. I am when I give myself over to the mystery. Mm-hmm. And cool. so for me, that's what the enneagram is is, is releasing. Of course, you don't say that to people on day one exactly. Right. Yeah, so edit yeah. all of that out. You need to edit all of that out because they're not going to get it. Yeah, that was too much. I mean, not only did Steve quote scripture, but he quoted Paul. Oh, yeah. Big, big no-no. Goodness no. gracious. He's, he's, no, honestly. He's the worst, I, am I right? 
He's not. <laughs> I have lots of problems with him, but I, but I have built a significant part of my own personal ethic around the Philippian hymn. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So I have conflicted feelings about the guy, but he did quote the Philippian hymn. And, you know, uh, so um, you know what? As, as someone who uh, thought he was going to be a Bible scholar one day, I think having conflicted feelings about the Bible is one of the best places to be. Yeah, absolutely. Until it's yeah. become strange to you. Yeah, you're reading your own stuff into it, and right. and boy, shouldn't we all have conflicted feelings about uh, wandering into a mystery? Oh yeah, you shouldn't feel safe about it. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, really terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, exactly, I think you're in a good place. That's what I yeah. I I think I just I just put on Twitter today and I took a, a brief decade off of of engaging with the Bible, and I'm now I'm I'm getting back into well, it. Well, at least it was a in brief earnest. decade. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that, so, that was a little tongue in cheek, but anyways, so, so yeah, we should start talking about, uh, about you, Blake. about you. Mm. Okay. Well, now, we're, right. we're, now we're turning our guns on you. That's one of the things, tables have turned. Yeah. One of the things we yes. want to do with our podcast is yes, talk about the Enneagram, but specifically as a language for helping us listen to the stories of other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's why yeah. I thought it would be great to talk with you and, listen to your story as it resonates with the Enneagram. Sure. How so what's the best way to do that? Do you want me to sort of talk about the sorts of things that resonated within the different things you talked through or yeah, that'd be, that'd be a great way. Yeah. That would be excellent. Okay. So yeah, so I was taking notes throughout, throughout, you know, all of, all of what the two of you were talking about in regards to the different centers and everything. Um, so I, I guess what I'll, and I'll be honest, like this is the uh, this is like the the thing that has been hard for me is I, I I both because I'm not as confident in in my knowledge of the system um, as well as maybe I'm just not as self aware as I'd like to be. Um, I have not like been able to confidently say I'm either this or that. So I basically tried to go through. I'm um, going through and you know. Um, determining which parts of of all these different personality types, these different numbers, um, sort of resonate with me. Um, (laughs) And uh, so that's, I guess, what I'll do. Um, So going back to the beginning with the the head types um, or the triads or the centers, um, the five, what you had mentioned as far as um, being someone that can tend to be cerebral or someone that can be... um, like retreat into their head. Um, I definitely have that tendency. I mean, I am, uh, I have pretty much always been like a compulsive reader. Um, just because I like escaping into someone else's narrative, I guess. And I like being able to understand my world. Um, so that's like a huge, um, compulsion for me. And I, I do think that like, I think some people, like the thing I wish I had was like hypergraphia and that I wrote all the time, but I tend to have, you know, something more common. Like I, I read more, you know? Um, so I, that manifests now and I'm generally on my phone. If it's not a book, it's a comic book. If it's not a comic book, it's Twitter, you know, and, and that order changes throughout the day. Um, but I do feel very, um, I do like to accumulate knowledge. I do like to, to rush headlong into things and learn a lot about stuff. Um, and, and at different times in my life, I have definitely always wanted to 
always be in that sense of preparing, but not necessarily doing anything with that. That definitely sort of resonated with me. Um, mm-hmm. As far as with sixes, um, I am an anxious person. Like, I do have anxiety. Um, it A lot of times it is the sort of thing that that will, like, paralyze me. Um, I don't feel like I'm... In the past, I may have tried to avoid hard feelings. I feel like through different things throughout the last few years of my life, I'm not necessarily in that spot. Like, I I can sort of approach my hard feelings and, and work through them. Um, but nonetheless, like, um, I have in the past, like... For me, this is probably a very telling thing. And when I was in college, and when you guys knew me <laughs> uh, fairly well, like m- sort of the person I felt was like my mascot was like Dostoevsky's underground man, who is just obsessed with possibility, you know, mm. and um, and is paralyzed by it. Um, and that's how I, that's who I was in my early twenties. I'm not that sort of person anymore, but that is in my in my history. Um, I'm going to be flipping over to, uh, what was the other one that I'm missing? Sevens? Sevens don't necessarily, I don't know, they don't resonate with me as much, I'll be honest. That sounded like you were actually just talking about the seven with the possibilities. Well, not being being paralyzed by possibility. Okay. Right. That doesn't sound like seven. Yeah, so with with sevens, I mean, um, yeah. So I think that was part of the... um, Actually, my notes did run together. So okay, okay, yeah. So I mean, I do. Well, it's not my place to tell you who you are, but you don't strike me as a seven either. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not. No, it's... I'm not catching seven off of you. No, I I, I definitely feel that way too. Um, well, with you're not eights... near fun enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. For a good time, don't call Blake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you about systemic problems for too long. Um, uh, for eights, as far as um, I do, I have tended to sometimes question authority. Like that's always been, a, you know, an element of my um, my an element of my personality. But I, you know. How often do you say I am fuck not you? someone what's that? How often do you say fuck you? <laughs> not <laughs> like nearly to someone's often face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see there there you go. Um <laughs> so I mean I I do challenge it but I but I am far more interested in in understanding someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and that sort of sense of presence that I have is not one that fills a room, you know. Um I will say that and over time I feel like nine is something that I've sort of gravitated towards okay. as understanding. Um I do think that uh a lot of times I I do, you know, my desire to um lessen anxiety is to try to take it down a bit, you know, to explore meditative practices, contemplative practices. That's definitely been um something I've, I've been trying to learn more about over the last few years, um, entering, you know, being in my thirties now and, and all that that encompasses. I do like, I mean, the very nature of this sort of show is letting people tell their stories and, 
Um, it doesn't really have a combative element to it. I mean, it's more just about people coming on here and sharing their story and their experience um, and letting that be cathartic. Uh, and I do think a lot of times I do, I, I am much more comfortable articulating my perspective, but I don't find value in it. I mean, I find I I value other people's perspectives more than I value my own. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And um, is that something you heard with the nine, or maybe you picked up somewhere? I mean, you, I I don't know if we. I mean, we kind yeah, of danced I don't, around that, but we never addressed that directly with the nine. I don't think. Um. Let's see. I think we. You had something. You mentioned that you that nines don't recognize their own authority. Right. Oh, okay. Um, sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. And people, only the people that, that know me well know that, like, I can be an angry person. Like, um, and, and that also resonates, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. um, that it's not, sometimes it's from something that I feel slighted, or it could be that I'm angry about, a global situation that pisses me the fuck off, you know, like, and it feels wrong, like to the, to my very depths, you know? Um, so for me like that, um, that definitely resonates. Um, and is one that I feel m sort of more, more drawn to than in the past. Um, one again is also one that doesn't necessarily feel as, uh, I, that I identify as much with, like I, um, I do identify with that sense of having a constant critic. Um, but I think I probably have had ones in my life and like, they have probably tired me out, I guess. Yeah. So instead of me, like, you know, meeting, meeting their level of intensity, it's more like, how do I survive this level of intensity? So, yeah. so what I oftentimes ask ones is like, yeah, everyone has an inner critic do you have the sense that yours is way louder and way more persistent than everyone else's or does yours kind of feel about like everyone else's? Right. Yeah. But you can tell. Yeah. 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 And I don't think mine is, I don't think mine is there. Okay. And like, I, I understand that, you know, that some, I'm, I'm definitely much more of like, okay, everybody has a perspective. I don't necessarily, <laughs> I think from what I've heard about ones, they, they have a sense of like universality that I don't have. Yeah, like that. There's a there's a particular way, yeah. and I am just m way more loosey goosey than that. Sure, um, sure. As far as with twos and being hospitable, um, I I understand that. I also definitely sort of identify with that sense of like acknowledging the other person before you acknowledge your own needs. Mm -hmm. Like that resonates with with me a lot. Um, yeah, that so, that one in particular was. So one of the things, I mean, we're going to have to sort through this once you're done, but it's worth pointing out at this point, a lot of the things, okay, so a lot of personality typologies deal with behavior, right? How we mm -hmm. behave different ways. The Enneagram is special because it, it tries to get beyond behavior to um, inner workings and inner motivation. Yeah. So, yeah. for mm -hmm. example... Ones and fives often share similar behavior patterns because we will like expound on things, except fives are like reasoning it out because they've thought it all through. Ones are more speaking from the gut. 
eights and ones have a certain kind of intensity, but it's a different thing going on under the surface. Mm-hmm. Eights and threes have this leadership quality, a certain kind of social mm-hmm. energy, but what's happening under the surface is different. Nines and fives both have a tendency to avoid things in mm-hmm. social situations. And they're similar, but the distinctions matter. And twos and nines. So the thing you mentioned about two, I can see that in you. Also, I can see those behaviors in a nine as well, motivated by nine motivations rather than by two motivations. Yeah, so both nines and twos lose a sense of their own desires, their own uh, their own needs, their own agendas, but it's for different mm-hmm. reasons. And so mm-hmm. I think you you've identified that and I think you've kind of mentioned that with both uh, and the nine, maybe you didn't address it so directly. Maybe we didn't say it so directly. Um, yeah. But, but they, that is something very common. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt uh, you there. Oh no, no, no. That's all very good. Um, and I, I think that is a very important distinction to make. Um, some of the other, I think the other ones that are left are what threes and fours. Um, yeah. So threes, I don't really identify with. Um, I, I mean, I can conversationally, like I, I do try to know a little bit about everything so that I can talk to everybody, but um, it's really limited to that. Like I, yeah. like I could give two shits about fashion. Like I just don't, like appearance is not a major motivator for me. Um, it's it just, it, like, <clears throat> I, I don't know. Like, and to me, it's just, it's one of those just acknowledging finite resources um, of, like, of like how many spoons I have, you know? And it's like, I, I don't want to spend time dealing with clothes choices. <laughs> yeah. So that's a segue into, like, I wore just black shirts for a long time, you know? <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, so like I, for a couple of years, I mean, I just had like five black V-neck t-shirts that well, I wore. They were black jeans. shirts, so you could definitely be a four. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, um, but generally, yeah. And, and I, so this is sort of the weird thing for me because I feel like a part of me in the past sort of felt like this sort of four, um, type of person where I understood myself to be this misunderstood sort of writer type guy that, you know, again, like this underground man sort of, um, not exit, not misanthropic, but like wanting connection, but feeling like it wasn't, wasn't Mm. available on a wider scale. Uh, and I don't know if it's because like, even though my show is about, this show is primarily about my guests. Like there is a Mm. bit of, vulnerability in, in like in staking a claim and saying, okay, these, this show and things that, that are related to it are about repudiating this thing I came from and affirming something different. And that's like a clear stance. And so in my mind, a lot of that, like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I, I feel like I used to feel this way and now I feel like I'm I don't feel this way as much anymore. Yeah, Steve and I have um, theorized that maybe everyone goes through a four phase. Like, they're <laughs> in high school and college, like, everyone just kind of feels that way. Teenagers yeah. just kind of look like fours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, 
yeah, like I, I th- there's there's times when I look back and I go, gosh, I did not look much like a five there at all. I really look more, way more like a four. Um, so I've had that kind of same experience, but I'm right. definitely not a four. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's sort of my. Those were all sort of my my takeaways from as you were talking, as you were walking through the different types on on the enneagram. Like, what are the things that 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 resonate with me? What doesn't? Um, definitely not fun enough to be a seven for sure. <laughs> I might be. I might be a seven after several drinks. <laughs> but. <laughs> But anyways, yeah. So, and I mean, I've, I had, yeah, that's, that's where like, okay, I've, I've known enough to sort of be dangerous, you know, um, with different things, but, um, but yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of, sort of my take. Um, I guess other things that I didn't sort of mention that, that could be, uh, like enlightening. I, I do sort of, I do have a tendency to you know, avoid conflict or avoid even certain things that, that give me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a motivator, like, and that, that is like a, I think a, a dysfunction instead of working through the uncomfortable thing, you know, avoiding it. Um, and then, you know, further things that can sometimes happen is, you know, I will like sort of eat my feelings, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, um, those sorts of things can be patterns in my life that, are sort of indicative of how I handle stress. Um, but I, yeah, and that waxes and wanes because that's the nature of life. But, but those are sort of, um, so here's what I'm, here's what I'm curious about. I mean, you've resonated here and there. Um, obviously some of these you feel more strongly about than others. Mm -hmm. Just, just your hunch. Um, leaning more toward inner dynamics than behaviors, but really identifying just your hunch. If you were to narrow down to three of these, which three would they be? Don't feel like you're locking yourself into it, but right. Um, once you identify them, I don't want to talk about any others. I'm, that was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> don't feel like you're locking yourself in, but you totally yeah. are. Yeah. 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 yeah um, I mean, and uh, I would say, probably amongst all of them probably like four five and nine i'm guessing um yeah i don't know like because even though even though like anxiety can be a thing that uh any of the types can feel anxiety though right yeah yeah um yeah but to me and to me like that's where those are those are the sorts of ones that that sort of come back to me i guess but if so, I was going to sub one of those out, maybe the five would be subbed out for a two, but I don't know whether that's consistent enough. But, yeah. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, you, I think you've, you've touched on a couple important things here. And one, uh, which is important to me, and I'll just mention briefly here, we don't need to go in depth with it, is that um, mental illness rides on top of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Um, certain of the types may lend you a propensity toward certain mood disorders or whatever, right? You may Mm -hmm. start behaving a little more like those things or whatever. But also, uh, mental illness is is mental illness, you know? And you may have a disorder um, that will collar 
um, and maybe confuse uh, and make it difficult to yeah. identify a type beneath it, right? Right. So yeah. that's a that's a complication that we often don't talk about. And hopefully over time we may be able to explore a little bit on our podcast. We'll yeah. see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anxiety is one of those things that can trip us up because five, sixes, and sevens, we are the anxious types, right? Like yeah, right. anxiety runs rampant through those. But anybody can experience anxiety. And yeah, so that's, right. that's yeah. a good marker. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. It would be nice right. if it were a good marker. Yeah, <laughs> and one one th- one other thing to sort of expound upon that that has been like another layer and consistency in my life is that that like I, especially in you know formative years, I I I'm epileptic. I have, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that that within my childhood, like the neurologist didn't know what the hell was happening, so they. So like they put me on tons of drugs with lots of side effects and all this other stuff. And one of the side of, one of the side effects of that treatment was that I sort of felt you know estranged from my physical self, um, just because the seizures themselves are beyond my control. Um, they they couldn't be controlled by the medicine, and the medicine itself caused all these things. Um, so like that's another element of things that have sort of affected my own sense of self. Um, and then I'm sort of crystallizing even now, like, um, and I, I think that that has sort of fed into and shaped different parts of my personality. It's not sure. the totality, but it's, it's not something that I can necessarily ignore so, either. Because you've mentioned the five, um, and I'm not trying to talk you into any of these, but, it, uh, one of the features of the five is we tend to, um, treat ourselves like we are disembodied heads, like we've mm-hmm. bodies to be inconvenient and right. kind of try and forget that we even have them if we can help it. Um, and, and so, um, so that, I mean, that could be, um, even that early childhood experience could maybe kind of like even led you into, um, kind of being a five, um, mm-hmm. Uh, fives, it, it's it's strange. Like if we have a a pain in our knee, in our in our wrist, we can just kind of almost just power on through it, forget that it's there. But if we have something going on in our head, like a toothache, or um, something wrong with our sinuses, or something like that, it'll shut us down because anything going on with the head. It just feels like mm-hmm. it's too close to the mind, and it, it, it just kind of shuts us down, and it messes with us. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's something that – if any of that resounds with you, um, like I said, I'm not trying to talk you into the five. It's just you, since you had mentioned that five is one of the ones you're considering, and you mentioned that, and so I wanted to kind of – Yeah, yeah. Into light, so. It is interesting that you uh, – the three types you pick, uh, the five, four, and nine – one is in the head center, one is in the gut center, one is in the heart center. Um, and so we're looking at very different constructions, uh, inner constructions that lead to somewhat similar behavior patterns in certain ways. Well, they all withdraw. They're all withdrawing. Like, exactly. especially when it comes to, to, to conflict, they're, they're all withdraw types. Um, but different things. So one of the interesting things here, this is a subtle distinction, but... When 
Okay, so let's imagine um, a public forum, right? There are people about, there's something happening. Let's say that there's a discussion, it's a heated discussion, or there's an event or whatever. Um, you will frequently find fives and nines hanging out on the circumference of the space, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to mm -hmm. be in the midst of it. They're going to be standing back, watching it, maybe trying not even to be noticed. But we're avoiding two different things there. Fives are going to be avoiding drama. Nines are going to be avoiding conflict. Hmm. That's a subtle distinction, but it's a really important one because it gets at the heart of the difference between the five and nine dysfunction, right? That's one way of differentiating the five yeah, and nine. Fives, fives avoid it because they're afraid their energy is going to be sapped. One thing yes. we didn't talk about with fives is um, nines actually have the lowest amount of energy of any but fives are the most aware of yeah. their energy. So we fives, feel like we have no yeah, energy. Yeah, <laughs> fives wake up every day feeling like they only have half of a gas tank to make it through, and we are very aware of all the things that will sap energy. <laughs> and so, like, public like situations, like Steve described, are, are one of the things that can very easily sap a whole bunch of energy. And so we're, we go into, like, a survival mode oftentimes. Like, how can I not give up too much energy and a lot of times it involves hanging around on the periphery where nines aren't as likely to do that at least mm -hmm. i don't feel so yeah mm -hmm. is that useful at all yeah i think so i mean like i yeah i think because generally i'm not necessarily afraid of um afraid of getting into something it's more yeah, I I do think that I guess like I it, it is that like okay, I have my own sort of emotions that I have to deal with. <laughs> like <laughs> do I need to do I have the energy to understand someone else's right now? So, one of my prior jobs, I was a claims adjuster. I would have to negotiate with people over the value of their cars, you know, over the phone. And like I was able to do that. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that the job was unbearable. I could manage the conflict, but if, if there was an element of drama on top of that, whether it was emotional or something else, then that was the more taxing thing. Um, yeah. Here's, a, here's another angle on, on, on this kind of distinction we're exploring here. Um, this is something I often use as a sort of self-effacing example of five behavior and I think it's a good way to contrast with nines and how we manage our energy let's say I'm because this has totally happened to me multiple times let's say I'm grocery shopping and I mean I'm in the midst of people but I am I am in solitude in the midst of all these people right mm -hmm. um, I'm managing my energy hardcore and let's say that I see someone two aisles over who I know Let's say I love that person. They're wonderful. I may still avoid them at all costs. Yeah, it's that... <laughs> about energy. It's not about the person. It's about I've I know it's going to cost me. I know I don't have it, and I've got to. I have to do this and this and this afterward. I have to manage my energy. A nine won't most likely avoid that person. I'm painting with broad brushstrokes here. A nine will totally engage that person even though it costs them. A nine is likely to run their tank dry 
rather than and then crash. Yeah, and then crash. Nine rather the best than avoid nappers something. on all of the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal I suck at napping. Fives, <laughs> fives, right. are, fives are more likely to avoid someone for the sake of their energy. Nines are more likely to embrace someone even at the expense of their At energy. Expense of energy. Even though nines yeah. are, are, actually have lower energy. Yeah. Nines fives have are just the ones who are super yeah. aware One of the words that uh, we use for fives is miserliness. We are miserly with our presence, miserly with our energy. Yeah, we're stingy. Stingy. When people live with fives, uh, I can I can vouch for this. Um, frequently, they'll say, "Like you're you're not even here. You're not present. Like <laughs> obviously, physically, yeah. I'm here. But when people are in our intimate space, they often have the sense that we're not present, even when we're there. Right. But that's not the case with nines." Nines are warm. People love nines. Nines typically don't leave a strong first impression. Yes. They're kind of ghostly. They're, they're very, kind of fuzzy. Like eights have a super heavy energy. Like you know when they're there. Nines, they kind of like you may or may not know that they're there. They don't have a strong energy. Uh, like uh, Steve, when he was uh, first starting to talk about the Enneagram, was maybe a little bit uh, uh, ungracious towards nines. But he say – Nines are boring. We've softened that up. <laughs> at first, at first glance, they boring. Yeah, it's it's not that they're boring. It's that they, they don't leave a strong first impression. But once you get to know them, they're warm. Uh, they usually have an amazing sense yeah, of humor. Yeah, great sense of humor. Nines have um, great humor. So, yeah, yeah. All right, we've, we've, we're throwing a whole bunch of stuff at you, Blake. Is any of this – do you feel like the, the, the clouds are parting, things are becoming more clear, or, or are we just making it worse? So the water's uh, no, I, I, think it's, I think it's helpful. I mean I, I do feel like – so I can be – yeah, I, I can be very in my head about different things, and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. run after like a particular interest for a really long time um, just for the sake of – knowing those things. Um, and I feel like that's sort of compatible with what you're presenting about fives. Um, I do know that there's part of me that is, that can be, you know, very, very warm and very emotional. Um, I'm very, very warm with my daughter. I'm, I'm warm, you know, generally with the people in my life. I, I like to think, I don't know if I always come across that way. Um, I also know that like, I do, I have, like, my high school friends would, you know, would remark that there would be times when I would just disappear, like, literally. Like, I could, if I needed, if I needed space from, I would just get up from the lunch table when no one was looking, you know, mm. and <laughs> and go and take my space. Um, so, and then, you, and then, like... like- Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah. So, so like, I know that, like, I've read, so I don't, I don't know whether that's, like, a combination of, like, a five with a four wing or whatever else, like, or, or whatever that might be. Um, but, like, I, I understand, I, I do feel like I, I have a good sense of the sorts of resources I have available. And even, and, like, I know when things are sort of blocking me I guess emotionally or whatever, even if I don't have the courage to approach them, <laughs> like at a given time. Um, 
So the the reason why I think like nines are sort of comp- interesting is because you know they they are very interest they are sort of focused on on conflict and making peace. Um, but at the same time, I'm not. I'm not sure whether that's like the most clear motivation that I have personally. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that, you know, a lot of the things that I've learned about nines is that they are interested in their own sense of peace. And that is something that, that is a motivation, but I don't know whether it, whether it's actually consistent with the way I behave and the things that motivate me more day to day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, nines Nines are pursuing peace specifically because they don't have a sense of inner peace. There's a lot of inner turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, fives are pursuing solitude um, because they are aware that everything is sapping their energy. And those yeah. those those look very similar. So along with the right. energy issue, I think that there's something behind that where fives – the reason – that we're so concerned about our energy is because there is a constant fear, not just of having our energy sapped, but we are always afraid that we aren't enough. We never feel competent enough. We never feel Mm. ready enough. We never feel like there's just enough of us. And so we hold on to it too tightly because whatever there is of us, we don't want to give it out too easily. Like we just feel like there's not enough there. Um, Right. The, so we're very, like I said, we're just very stingy emotionally um, with our own energy. Like fives, if we let ourselves go, we can have a real presence. Um, but most of the time, we're just holding our energy back. And there's actual times when we'll actually turn our energy way down low and just like be putting nothing out there into the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's because yeah. we just don't we're just afraid there's not enough. I'm going to run out. Right. There, there's yeah. Enough me there. I'm not competent enough. I'm not good enough. Right. And that's, that's definitely, <laughs> that sounds very familiar right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like a sense of not being, not being enough, not being strong enough, not being successful enough, not being yeah. um, present enough, you know, even, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge, a mm. huge thing for me is like, Am I enough? <laughs> we're starting to hit and even, and even, even like, I think even, even that sense of energy, like I, I do sort of get that. Like if there's too much, I wear these headphones, these, these big can headphones, you know, when I work sometimes because there's, there's too many demands on even my, oh. even my own, like, yeah, my own oral a U R A L. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, environment that I need to be able to focus, and then even in, like in my in my home, if if my dog and the other members of my family are all demanding things at once, I want to be singular. Like that is the thing. Like I want mm-hmm. to be focused, <laughs> but it's not. Um, yeah. And it, it when when I'm not able to do that when I I want to. I want to put something in a list of priorities and then be able to get it down. And then when I feel like I can't do that, um, that's when I begin to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So Yes. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say where I think this is pointing, but it's starting to be a little more clear to me 
what you're favoring here. Um, I think another way to go a little deeper discerning um, where you feel more at home might be to, uh, this could go very deep, but we'll, we'll, we'll stay on the surface a bit with this. Mm-hmm. Um, moving away from looking at the Enneagram as a circle or a horseshoe and actually pay attention to the, the graph, the, the way the lines move. Um, and especially because um, the nine and the five are in different patterns here. Um, the nine is a part of the nine, six, three triangle. So um, the reason why those lines are connected is because um, you may ordinarily, like this is your type, like this is your primary energy. Type is a complicated word, but this is your primary energy. Now let's say you're at a major stress point, right? Um, you're not at your best. Then you'll tend to slip into You'll, or you'll behaviors that look like an unhealthy version of this other type. And that's why the arrow is connected that way. So for nine, and there's, in stress, you would move to a six and take on certain six behaviors. Uh, like the paralysis, like mm-hmm. the, the fear, um, the inactivity. Mm-hmm. Um, how, but Trying to connect yourself maybe to an external authority instead of having, instead of having internal authority. Exactly. For the five, you'd go to the seven. Yeah, fives go to seven in stress. Um, it's like, um, it's like um, I know my energy is running so low, so I'm going to indulge in all the things that help me fill up my energy, yeah. and also indulge in the things that help me shut down the obsessive mind. Um, mm. It's so mm. active that I'll like I don't I don't think I typically get addicted to things, but when I show addictive patterns in my behavior, it's it's a, it's an obsession with things that help me slow down and shut off my mind for a while, um, mm-hmm. because it can it can become too much. Um, right. So then the, the arrows move in the other direction as well, right? So um, when you're moving into strength, when you're at the best version of yourself, when you're really actualizing yourself rather than being in that ambivalent um, dysfunctional space then you'll start to look like a healthy version of this other thing. You take on some of those behavior patterns. The motivation mm-hmm. still remain your, your, uh, your primary energy, but you, you begin to behave more like this other type, like you're learning their medicine for your problem, right? So for a five, um, you move into eight space, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about right action. Um, when I am engaged, when I'm active, when I'm not self-conscious, when I'm not retreating, but rather when I'm engaged in the world, when I'm moving forward, um, when I'm confident in making decisions, mm-hmm. when I'm selfless, not in the sense of not being selfish, but not being focused on myself, but I'm rather spending my energy in the world, that's the best version of me. Yeah. And we I, get out of our head, we're able to act, yeah. and... We're able to draw energy from the world like an A yes. can, where where we're always so afraid of spending our energy. It what will happen out. is we we can do that patent thing and go, God, I love this, and like yeah. draw in all when that. When you energy. find your right. arena, you know, yeah, maybe not quite like an A can, but we but it, but we don't have to worry so much yeah. about losing our energy. Right. We can actually benefit. The world if, can yeah. actually give us energy. If eights are the big bulldozer, fives are the little bulldozer. When we're able to bulldoze. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
So a nine in strength will move to the three. Get in touch with their own agenda. Mm-hmm. They finally see clearly their own goals. I'm actually their own desires. Actually working can, towards success. Yeah. Rather they than just not it. rocking the boat, I can actually like do something. I can. Yeah. yeah. I can engage. And so you can see how those dynamics are similar in the sense that nines and fives have certain behavioral similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the medicine solution, to their illness looks similar to the medicine yeah. looks similar as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is any of that helpful? Yeah, yeah, I think so. While you're, um, you're kind of thinking about it, let me tell you, like for example, for me, <laughs> for a five going to the seven when I'm stressed, like I, I may not even realize I'm stressed yet until it's like, oh gosh, I'd really love to start playing video games, like. When I, all of a sudden, every night, I want to just spend some time playing video games, I know that, oh, I'm, I just want to go find something. I'm still, I still want it in isolation, but I want to do something that's not reflective. It's just going to get me out of my head. I need that, that something that's just fun. And, and so it can work really nice like a red flag. When I see that pop up, I go, oh, I probably have some stress that I need to deal with. Also, mm. it's not a bad place to kind of go preemptively. Yeah. So that, so yeah. that, like, I know I kind of need that. Why wait until I'm stressed? If I do it a little bit here and there, I can do it in a way that's actually healthy and can keep yeah. me from. I can like deal with my stress preemptively instead of like waiting until it's overwhelming. That's one of the right. signs so. of maturity is being able to use your stress point proactively yeah. in a yeah. disciplined way, right? So, if I engage seven energy periodically, like actually let myself have fun and be social, then um, I'm less likely to need to crash into that in a bad place. Yeah. Mm. So mm-hmm. for a nine, that would be f- finding ways to use the six energy in constructive and disciplined ways, right? So maybe you can trust authority sometimes um, as a way of developing your own inner authority. Um, maybe slowing down and, and reckoning with the conflict and the risk and all those things uh, is better than just always trying to ride the surface and avoid conflict, right? So there are, there are a lot of different ways you can appropriate that intentionally rather than crashing into it in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are just throwing so much stuff at your <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> No, I think it's I think it's really good. I think maybe you may have tipped the scales a little bit for me, especially uh, with regards to the sort of teasing out their their constituent and related points between stress and and health and everything. I think you you have tipped the scales a bit towards probably like a a, a five just in that. The way you manage energy and the way you, mm-hmm. yeah, um, because because yeah, I do always sort of feel like I am introverted. You know, like if we are going to bring Myers Briggs into it, you know, like I was INFP. You know, me too. Uh, so, <laughs> territory man. Yeah. So so like uh, like I am introverted. I do have this need to like reset, and when I am stressed, I do tend to want to blow off steam and yeah like video games or in a like i mean i've got a a list of books to read that's mile, miles long but 
you know, I won't <laughs> tackle that. Oh. I, I won't tackle that. I'll read, you know, I'll read a comic book that takes 30 minutes, you know, yeah. like a graphic novel because yes. that's, yes. that's easier to, you know, it's easier than <laughs> trying to crack open, you know, Sweet. James Cone <laughs> like, or something else. <laughs> You know, um, I love code, I, but give me a break, yeah. Man. Because when the five goes <laughs> to the seven, like even when we isolate, we still have like all of that mind stuff going just so fast and so busy all the time. Like our mind is always humming, but when we go to the seven, we're trying to escape even that, mm-hmm. and so we don't even want to reflect on anything. We just want something to occupy it, so we don't have to even reflect on anything, or right. we can just just be doing something to occupy it and, and, and not think. Yeah, and to me, to me, a lot of times that presents as like, I need to numb something. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's like, I need to, to stop this in its tracks. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that's not successful. It's just, it's just below the surface. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's not, not successful. Uh, <laughs> like, like, it's just, it, it just, it's just pushing it below the surface and then creates this vicious cycle of, okay, you delayed addressing this mm-hmm. and now it's worse. <laughs> like, um, but that's you know, like on, on like a, that's the unhealthy on, way of going to it where if you learn to see it as a red flag, you can go, Ooh, now I need, there is something I need to address. Maybe I didn't realize, or even mm-hmm. doing it preemptively and, and working it into your routine so that you don't have to go to it out of compulsion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And to what you said about, you know, feeling like feeling like an eight or like being someone that can can challenge situations and things like that. Like, a, you know, there there are certain instances where if I'm feeling for whatever reason, very confident on a given day, like I will literally have more like pep in my step than normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll walk yeah. faster. Yep. I'll, I'll walk faster. I'll stand straighter. I'll mm-hmm. actually engage people instead of having, you know, people come and engage me be more present in your body in the world right yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. where that's where like you know a lot of times I, I do have this sense of being disconnected from my body because of my experiences yes know? but those are the days in which like okay like i i feel it all um yeah which is interesting yeah mm-hmm. so so yeah i think that the way you sort of tease that out does resonate a quite a lot <laughs> well good as if you're if your scale is tipping toward five then i feel like i can be free to connect a few things that you've said okay um that made me think that as well the way you talked about fashion um clothing is functional above all else i want to not have to think about it uh i want to feel comfortable in what i wear um, being detached from the body, um, all of those patterns are very five things. Fact, Fives tend to be very, um, very conventional, very uninteresting, uh, very practical in their attire, and yet often have like one element that is uh, unusual, mm-hmm. right? Like for like Seth wears bow ties. I have this hat I wear all the time. Although I think I'm actually kind of atypical for a five. You are. You I mean, are. if you remember me in college, Blake, I think, I mean, a lot of people told me I was known as one of the best dressers on campus. Not that <laughs> oh, I, yeah. not that that, I, I still carry that's that not, with me. That's not in dispute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that, you know. But, I remember uh, coming across a conversation you were having at McCann and you said, accessories. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. I might just make that just like my life quote. Like I'm gonna put that up on Twitter. Is what about the accessories? Yeah. Yeah. But But I think it's funny that you said that for years, uh, you know, there's a period of years where you only wore black T-shirts. We actually ran across another five who everything he owns is black just so he Mm -hmm. doesn't ever have to think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was uh, black jeans, black pants. Everything is black just because it's just easy that way. That pattern for me for a long time, it was black T-shirts. Now that I'm trying to, you know, look the part in a professional environment and I'm taking that more seriously, it's all a matter of greens and browns. So mm-hmm. that everything I have will match no matter what I throw on that day. And I have a, I have a style. It, it's conventional. Uh, the shirts are like wrinkle free because I don't tend to take those things very seriously. But I still need to look the part, right? So right. I'm trying to find a way to be a high-functioning five who totally doesn't take attire seriously but needs to look like he kind of does so. While we're on this, there's a – there's a person who she's actually done, and I, I don't re- know how to pronounce her name, but it, it looks like Catherine Favre. Favre. It might be it might be pronounced Favre. I don't know, um, <laughs> but but it, yeah, it's it's a similar spelling. But she uh, she's actually done like a whole book on how each type thinks of dress and the oh, interesting. kinds of words they use, and fives tend to think of like how they present themselves and the way they dress as camouflage. I just, I, I want to kind of blend into the background um, of whatever, whatever my main environment is, whatever my main grouping is. We're interested in just kind of doing enough to blend into the background, not really stand out. We tend mm. to think of clothing as camouflage. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. And like, I mean, I, I do, and it's probably just part of, you know, entering, not not exactly middle age, but you know, into your mid thirties and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to be frumpy anymore. Like at one point, <laughs> I was fine being frumpy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh man, yes. But like, I don't want to be frumpy anymore. Like, I I probably need to. I need to buy better jeans. You know. But the other thing is, is that I don't. I I am fine spending money on books on technology, but like clothes to me, it's a sunk cost. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, so even even so, when you talk about though, it almost sounds like you're annoyed. You become aware that your body can come off as frumpy, and you're just annoyed at your body that it would do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Were there any other any other puzzle pieces that you wanted to highlight, Steve? Things that you had noticed. Um. I mean, well, okay, so you were curious that you might be a four, right? That was one of the three mm-hmm. you mentioned. And so it's very possible that you are a five who developed a four wing early on, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so uh, what, that might, what that might mean is um, that uh, you can access four energy sometimes, um, that you might have some four-ish elements in how you – engage in five patterns. Um, also, a somewhat later in life, we often start to develop the second wing. So if you develop the four wing early in life, you may notice that any time now, you may be developing some six elements, right? Which may mean not necessarily that you are obsessive about 
what could go wrong, um, but that you may have a heightened sense of it, that you're thinking about those things a little more. You may think about external authority. Um, uh, it's hard to say what that might be, um, but frequently we start to develop the second wing um, somewhat later in life. Hmm. Um, I haven't heard you say a whole lot that made me think uh, six, but um, that doesn't mean that exploring uh, some six energy as a potential wing might not be useful, but I would start with a four because you have expressed a lot of four-ness, right? Mm -hmm. And you you yourself said that you resonated with it, especially early on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I was always, yeah, I was always told I was too emotional as a kid. I was too sensitive, yeah. uh, all yeah, that, that sort of thing stuff, to trigger you know. Five, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah, when you're told you're too emotional, you're too sensitive, you yeah. know, you're motivated to shut that down and get out of touch with it, mm -hmm. which is an issue for the most. For me, part of the trigger was um, I, uh, my, my mother was uh, fairly abusive uh, in an emotional sense, right? So um, it was an act of self-protection to mm -hmm. not be emotionally vulnerable, Yeah. right? And so it's not that I was, was or am an unemotional person, but you can learn to shut those things off in reaction right. to a world that's not receptive to it. Yeah. And then right. the trick mm -hmm. is now you're an adult and you're like, where that's the it. hell are my emotions? Yeah. I know you're <laughs> feeling them now. Why do they come a week later? Suddenly <laughs> my emotions isn't working for me anymore as yeah. I'm trying to be a husband and a father and, yeah. you know. Right. Right. And, and, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you said like you feel like you're emotionally present with your kids. I mean, I have four kids and I feel like I am with them, you know, most of the time and it's it's easier. There's there's a way in which I don't feel as vulnerable to them, I think, as I do to other people. Mm -hmm. Where I'm I'm just willing to be more present. It's just it's easier. Um, yeah. Now there there are other times when I have five things that I'm thinking about because that's how we are wired. And my kids will be like standing right in front of me going, dad, dad, dad. And I hardly even notice it because I'm like just thinking about so many things and I'm more present to the reality in my head than I am to the kid right in front of me. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which, which has happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it's not, it's not a reflection on how much children. Yeah. That's the thing. It's right. not a reflection on your care. It's a, it's an expression of how our dysfunction is playing itself out and yeah. how we figure out how to cope with it. And learning how to be more present. Yeah. More that's, right. that's really the invitation for a five. We're miserly with our presence and we have to yeah. reckon with the reality that our presence is the greatest gift we have to offer people, especially those who are closest to us especially those who are most likely to notice our absence. You know, Steve, mm. I don't, I don't think we, uh, we mentioned, we, we told the story of about how, um, your spiritual director, the nun, who's an eight, walked up to you and poked you in the chest and got you right need to face. stop thinking so much. Yeah. That, that's what she said to you. <laughs> and, oh my you need to stop. And I think all of us fives need to hear that. We need a little nun coming up and getting in our face and poking <laughs> us right in the chest and saying, you need to stop thinking so much. 
one of the most important developments in my life is developing a relationship with uh, someone who invites me into my heart space. Yeah. Not intentionally, but just through who that person is. Um, this person happens to be a two. They're very good with heart space. Um, so me being around that person, I invite them into headspace. They invite me into heart space. And if you if you have healthy relationships with these other types, they can be entry points into the other parts of ourselves that we have a hard time accessing yeah. on our own, right? Mm, so mm -hmm. when I'm free to be in my heart space and like engage that part of who I am, that is the a wonderful gift. Yeah. And I will not be able to do that if I'm not being fully present to that person. Yeah. So it's mm. giving a gift of presence to other people is also a, a, a real gift to myself. It's part of self-care to be yeah. really present to people. Yeah. In in moderation. The right people at right. the right times, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. I think that also resonates because as much as I... You know, as much as I mentioned, like chasing after peace and and understanding and trying to engage more meditative things, it has been within the intent to increase mindfulness <laughs> and yeah. and presence. You know, and that because that is because <clears throat> um, that's the thing that I that I know that gets away from me. I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I like, think. Each type avoids that in their own way, and we're all trying to. That's one the some the enneagram is useful for for all of us is is to do that. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. Oh no 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 that was that was the you know that was the completion of the thought you know. Um, yeah, that's that's all very 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 interesting to chew on, and again this is this is why I was excited to to talk to both of you at length about this is because like I I sort of. A, I didn't know what to expect, but I was kind of I was kind of expecting a surprise, and I didn't necessarily think I would resonate with the five as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, in this in this sort of way. Um, but it also helps explain why you resonate so much with the nine, because a lot of the observable energy in a five is so similar to nines. We're avoiding conflict or whatever is sapping our energy right yeah there is a mm -hmm. sense of low energy there is a sense of withdrawal right um there's yeah, a you... sense of being an observer on the world rather mm -hmm. than a participant right yeah yeah so of which course is you're gonna huge nine yeah you, you you were already tapping in and were very aware of uh all the right things you were reading the signals it's just those signals can point to a few different uh few different destinations yeah. And I think that distinction between avoiding drama and avoiding conflict, yeah, I think that was one of the things that was like, oh, okay, yeah, this this is making <laughs> making sense in that regard. And this is why I continue to stress Enneagram as oral tradition because it is oral tradition. Yeah, um, it yeah. works a certain way, and so books can be very useful. It's they're one of the best substitutes for direct conversation. But say, for instance, online typology sorters, you know, the little quizzes we can take, maybe mm -hmm. sometimes they can reveal things that can be helpful. By and large, they're not so helpful precisely yeah. because um, they can't sort out these distinctions, right? They'll, for one, they're based on your own self-awareness and 
the assumption of the Enneagram is that you're likely not that self-aware, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then to continue on to the level of sorting out how the same behaviors can have very different sources, right? Or let's say you resonate with five energy and eight energy and seven energy, and you're like, well, which one of these is it? And um, it turns out that there's a reason why, because actually you're one of those and you access the others at certain times. Yeah. Or a pattern that shows up sometimes with people who are particularly not self-aware um, is that they'll take the test and they'll get the results on either side of the one that they probably are. Because mm-hmm. you can resonate with their wings better than their own energy because they're that out of touch with the dynamic that's happening. Because right? the, the, the whatever you are, part of the game is it tries to hide itself from you. Um, it only works as long as you don't recognize it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. So it has to stay undercover. Yeah. Hmm. There's stuff that we just we keep in our shadow. We, we are... Um, kind of intentionally unaware of it so um so anyway that's why that's why i stress the value of and and actual conversation yeah right yeah so if yeah this was really really valuable yeah if i can plug our our podcast again that's why part of the approach that we take is we're, we're trying to find people like you who are at different parts in their journey like uh some people who haven't even been typed and we we type them on uh, on the episode other people may be working with it for a year or two um and so they know a little bit but we can kind of help encourage them on where they might go next with it um i mean i'd like to get some people who know more than us and 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 are able to teach us a few things and maybe tell us where to go next you know and to right. pull the rug out from under our podcast yeah yeah <laughs> this, is, this is what i've seen with with the Enneagram podcasts um, that I've listened to already is you're dealing with people who've been doing it for 30 years already and they know all their stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I want I want to engage people from a lot of different places and right. do learn from them, but also um, um, just see where they're at in their journey and listen to their story. And uh, I think I think it's super useful for people to hear right now where you're at, Blake. And mm-hmm. to hear us go through this and the way we talk about it, um, yeah. And here, here, yeah, spoken, I think that if all you know about the enneagram is what you've read on Twitter, you're probably not in a great place. You need more <laughs> than that. Not yeah, that's fair. I mean that. Not and that's the thing. Twitter about, is bad, but you need more. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing about about those sort of like you know you you get these little touches here and there. Yeah. And you know that it's referring to something really deep that's happening elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but those conversations, because they're referential, because they're referring to someone else's deep experience or personal research or whatever it might be, yeah. um, it's hard to access that, um, which is why this has yeah. been so fruitful. And I, I'm very thankful that, that you guys took the time out of your evening to to walk me through this because this was this was extremely helpful good i'm glad what it'll be interesting to see you know as you sit with this and continue to discern and explore it on your own it'll be interesting to see after a while where you're at with it and yeah maybe you'll have new insights maybe you'll realize that we're caught we're barking up the wrong tree or maybe you realize that this is good and we can take a step deeper and see what happens 
Sure. It'll be interesting to uh, hear your feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've got some homework to to think about things a bit a bit more, and then we'll loop back around here in the near future and and revisit that. Um, now has your has your podcast launched, or do you have a launch window? We expect at this point? that we will launch by the time you air this. We'll see okay. how it goes, but that's the plan. Awesome, awesome. And where can where can people find you online? Well, they can find me at uh, SethHarshman.com, and I'm actually uh, just starting to try and do Enneagram things full-time, so uh, seminars, uh, workshops, and individual coachings. Awesome. Um, I'm working towards getting my uh, license in uh, as a life coach, and it'll be um, a lot of like Enneagram-based coaching. Um, and so they'll be able to find that stuff at SethHarshman.com. I'm on Twitter at uh, uh, at Seth Harshman. And then uh, the the podcast is the E9 podcast. And there's a mm-hmm. account for that as well, at E9 podcast. At awesome. E9 podcast. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the number numeral nine. Yeah. E yeah. numeral E9. Nine nine. Yes. Yeah. As a handy shorthand for uh, Enneagram, E9. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Steve, do you have any any place people can find you online? Yeah. Um, uh, you can find my uh, odd and uh, hopefully insightful Twitter feed at, um, at skeptical underscore monk uh, because skeptical mystic was taken and I had to figure out <laughs> um, at skeptical underscore monk. And then um, I've got this... Uh, funny YouTube channel where I'm trying to upload uh, things that are uh, thought-provoking and challenging and maybe in, hopefully encouraging, um, which again is Skeptical Mystic. Um, if you're searching that on YouTube, I'm pretty small, so you might want to throw um, quotation marks around it when you search for it, but I'll mm-hmm. Yep, and, uh, and Steve also had a, a series with me talking about mysticism and the Christian tradition specifically, and that's in this feed as well. So, Awesome. Yes. Well, again, thank you, Seth and Steve, for taking your evening uh, and setting it aside to, to go through this because it, it was very helpful for me, and um, I am very happy to be able to sort of present this to people um, within the feed and then loop back with you soon too. <laughs> We're to, yeah. It's our privilege. It's yeah. our privilege. Thank you for the opportunity. It means a lot to us. We appreciate it. Of course. <laughs>